All right, guys, grab a Bible. We're going to be in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 1 to 35. Well, I was doing my typical research for today's passage, and I came across a... uh, Video clip from the movie Bruce Almighty, all right? Bruce Almighty, comedy, um, about a guy who is given God's responsibilities for a little while. Um, And at the beginning of the movie, you know, he's praying to God, and he's saying, God, I need a sign. And as he's driving along, there's this big traffic sign that says, caution, you know, caution ahead, caution ahead, and he kind of ignores it. He's like, God, I wish you'd just give me a sign. And then this big truck pulls out in front of him, filled with signs, and the back of them, like, they all say, wrong way, danger, you know, turn, don't go this way. And, you know, he doesn't get it, and he's like, oh, I just, I need a miracle, I need a sign. And he grabs his, his rosary, his prayer beads, okay, that, that you'd find in a Catholic church, and He's like, you know, give me a miracle. He hits a pothole, he drops the beads, and then he crashes his car. And he's like, man, I wish God would just give me a sign, show me what I need to do here. Um, and, then, and then he gets, he has a pager. You guys probably don't know what that is. Um, it's a little black box that you would wear on your hip. And you'd get a little ding with a phone number to tell you to call that phone number when you got close to a phone, Okay because he didn't actually have one with you. Um, and he says, you know, don't know you. I wouldn't even call you if I did when he looks at the number, right? And later on in the movie, we find out when he calls that number, he gets a hold of God. Um, and, and so here, the idea is God is giving him all sorts of signs, but he's just not really seeing them, right? He's not getting the point, okay? So the question for us this morning to start off with is why do we look for signs from God, what are we usually looking for when we, we kind of ask God for a sign? I don't know if you've ever done that. Have you ever asked God for a sign? But it's something that we commonly see in, in movies and we see in, in books, you know, seeking a sign from God. Why do we do it? Why don't you talk to the person next to you, answer the question. What do you think? Why do we seek a sign from God? What do you think? A couple answers. Why do we seek a sign from God? What are we usually uh, looking for? Yeah, Elise. Okay, maybe just to know that he's there. Why else would we seek a sign from God? What are we, what are we getting at there? Anything else? Yeah. Okay, so we need something just for me, right? So, good. This isn't enough. We need you to show me exactly what I need. Anything else come to mind? Okay. Well, we'll 
Hang with that question. Yeah, one more. Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we're trying to get around what we know we're supposed to do. So we, we want another option on the table, a God-ordained option where God lets us go in a different route, right? All right. Well, we're going to read our passage now, John chapter 6, 1 through, and, and we're going to stop at 35. Um, the story continues after 35. It actually continues all the way to 71, the whole chapter. We're just going to mercifully do half the chapter. Okay, so let's read. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to make, come and make him, or take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they, came to, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the, part that perishes, or the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, 
This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it was, is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Well, let's, uh, let's look at this here, okay? So first of all, I kind of already said this, but does this sound like one story to you or three different stories? When we read this in our, in our children's Bible, we usually read three different stories, right? He feeds 5,000 people, he walks on water, and then we don't always have the children's Bible have the, the discussion about the bread of life here, right? Some of them do, some of them don't. In John, is it one story or three stories? You can talk, it's okay. One, there it is, all right? Sounds like one, okay? And what, what are some of the things that unify the story? What, what might you say points us to the fact that this is all one story? This is important. Yeah? Right, yeah, so we've got this timeline, right? In the evening, you know, he feeds them in the morning. In the evening, they go across the sea. Verse 22, on the next day, right? So it's just walking us through day after day what's happening. Who keeps, you know, are, are the characters the same in the story? Yeah, this crowd that is fed the loaves is the same crowd that finds Jesus to ask him questions and talk to him at the end of the story, right? Okay, so that's same things going on here. So what might that tell us as we're studying this story? Maybe we should be looking for common themes, right? Maybe something's happening here that's being carried throughout. So is there a theme that you guys see from feeding 5,000 people to the conversation at the end? Is there any theme that you see kind of popping up? Yeah, so there's this theme of seeking what Jesus is giving. And so at the beginning, what does Jesus give them? Yeah, he gives them this 5,000 people fed by five barley loaves and two fish, food. And at the end, what is he talking to them about? He's talking about food, right? Talking about more bread, more food, okay? Good. He's also talking about signs throughout the whole thing. We keep coming across this idea of signs. So if you guys look at... um. You look at verse 2, 6 2, the large crowd following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. So, signs are why they're following him. And then, when we get towards the end, Jesus calls them out and says, You're not here because you're seeking signs because you ate your fill of the loaves. And then they ask him again, Show us a sign. So, there's all these signs questions coming up. Okay? So, we're going to take this as like three scenes in a movie. Right? And there's actually scene number four that's still coming that we're not going to talk about today. But scene one, 5,000 people are fed. Scene two, Jesus walks on water. Scene three, Jesus talks to the people, okay? So let's, let's follow these scenes, and then we're going to 
get to kind of what is the point here? What's Jesus talking about? Well, so scene one. Scene one, we see that the people are coming to Jesus because of signs. He's doing signs on the sick, and so we might assume that they're coming so they can see more, which tells us something. We already talked about this in small groups, but it tells us that these that, that signs, they, they never satisfy our appetite, do they? Like once you see one miracle, you kind of want to see more. You want to see the next trick, right? So you go see a magician do his, do his act, right? And at the end, you're like, I never need to see another magic trick in my life. No, you're like, I kind of want to see more. That was pretty cool. Let's see some more. If there was someone who came and multiplied Dunkin' Donuts in the Dunkin' Donuts parking lot and it was just endless donuts for whoever showed up, you might show up tomorrow too. I wonder if that guy's there again. You might kind of like make your path, go past that Dunkin' Donuts every so often just to see, is he there again? Or maybe he's outside McDonald's tomorrow. We'll see. Right? We want to see more signs. So it's interesting that they've seen signs, so they come to see more signs. Okay? So here are the people, they've come to see signs, and what do they get? Do they get a sign? You betcha. They get an amazing sign, okay? And the amazing sign is Jesus takes five pieces of bread, two fish, feeds 5,000 men, not including the women and children who are there, so just thousands and thousands of people. Now, did you guys know, as you guys, this is especially for you guys who are going to... Interact with people at your schools who like to come up with like the little um, thing that throws a wrench in our understanding of the Bible, and they're going to use that to prove you wrong. Or maybe you're going to go to a university that, that's kind of Christian, not really Bible-following Christian, and they're going to have a class, and they're going to teach you, here's the real way to understand the Bible, and they're going to take out all the miracles. So one of the theories that's out there in that line of thought is that what happened here is that the boy gave his lunch to Jesus and everyone was so inspired by his willingness to share that they all shared their lunches and there was enough lunch for everybody. Well, that's not really what it says, is it? Okay, because verse 11, it says, Jesus took the loaves, the five loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them, the five loaves, to those who were seated. So your, your answer to something like that is right in the Bible, okay? It's very clear. The five loaves fed everybody, all right? So it, it wasn't just like, hey, let's all share with each other. So that's just something to be aware of as you kind of go off into the world. So Jesus does this magnificent thing. What's even more amazing is that Philip, when he's tested, he's like 200 denarii, which would be like the amount of money someone would raise in two-thirds of the year. If you worked for like, how much of that is 12, here, eight months. If you worked for eight months and made that much money, that wouldn't be enough to buy bread for everyone to have a bite. And yet here, everybody has how much bread? Well, they have enough that they're all full. They're filled up. They don't need any more. And then miracle of miracles, what's left over? 12 baskets, which is more than we started with. That's pretty cool. Okay, so... There's more baskets than we even started with. And what might be interesting here is to think about who did Jesus have pick up the leftovers? His disciples. And how many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve disciples. So maybe there's something going on here where Jesus says, 
there's going to be enough for everybody to eat their fill and more left over for all of his disciples, right? So each of his disciples has their own basket full of leftover food, okay? And here's how the people respond. This must be the prophet. And we've talked about the prophet, haven't we? Let's look at the passage where the prophet comes up again here. So in Deuteronomy, this is Moses writing, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. And then we go a couple verses down and it says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers and I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. So everybody's looking for someone that's going to be like Moses. So why do you think they connected the dots between Jesus giving a whole bunch of bread to lots of people and Moses? Is there any connection between Jesus plus bread and Moses plus bread? Think of anything? Uh Uh-huh. Like the manna. Like the manna. That's right. So So Moses, he's the guy who's around when manna shows up. You guys remember what manna is? First of all, do you guys remember, this is always fun, do you remember what manna means? You know what the translation of manna is? What is it? <laughs> That's right. So manna is what is it? So this, this bread starts showing up like dew on the ground, and their first response is, let's call it what is it, because we don't know what it is, okay? And it, and it tasted kind of like a fig honey cake or something like that. Right? So it's miraculous bread that's come down from heaven to feed God's people. That's what manna is. And so here Jesus takes some bread, he gives thanks for it, and he gives it to 5,000 plus people, and they make the connection, this is kind of like what Moses does. This must be the prophet. This must be the guy who's going to be like Moses. Well, their next response is, let's make him our king, whether he likes it or not, right? That's what it means when they say they're going to make him a king by force. And the idea is you could actually do this. You could actually take someone, and when you have the Romans around you and everything, and you take him and you crown him king, whether he likes it or not, and then you say, this is the guy who's our leader, and now Rome says, all right, well, I'm going to come and talk to this guy and take him out. The leader really doesn't have a choice at that point. He's like, I I guess I'm the leader. They made me the leader. Rome wants to kill me because I'm the leader, so we better start making some decisions so that I I live. Jesus, thankfully, sees this all coming. And so what does he do? He runs away. He goes to the mountains, gets himself alone, and they can't find him. So they can't make him their king. So what does this show us, first of all? Scene one. Here's the big question. What does this show us about why Jesus is doing this sign? Why is Jesus multiplying loaves and filling their bellies with bread? Well, what it's showing us is more what he's not doing. He's not trying to impress them, right? Because they're impressed. They want to make him their king. He's not trying to get put in charge. He's not saying, look what I can do. Let me be the leader. Because that's exactly what they try to do. Let's put this guy in charge. And he runs away. He's not trying to say, hey, if you guys make me king, guess what? You won't have to make bread ever again. He runs away and he hides from them. So Jesus' physical sign of bread being multiplied, it's not for the point of impressing them or getting them to make him their king. That's what we see so far, okay? 
Scene two. Disciples hop in a boat, start rowing across. We have the storm, the seas become rough. Jesus walks on water, hops in the boat. It is I, do not be afraid. And boom, they're automatically on the land to which they are going. So we see another sign here. Jesus walks on water. And what does it show us? Well, you might think if you are a disciple and you're sitting there and you see Jesus and everybody says, let's make him a king. And then all of a sudden you're like, where'd he go? You might as a disciple be like, hmm, are we following the wrong guy? Why, what's wrong with this guy? Like we thought that we had found the man. This is like the Messiah. Why is he running away when we all want to make him the king? Did we choose the wrong guy? I think what Jesus is doing here in part is that he is showing his disciples specifically that he's not afraid of authority. That he actually has incredible authority. He has authority over nature, authority over the storm, authority over the water. He's going to walk on water to show them just how much authority he has. But it's also being done only to those who really believe in him, right? Those who believe in him get to see his authority. The people, did they believe in Jesus? No, they just came for the sign. So he's, he's not going to give in to their desires. Then we get to scene three. And here we have the people again. They all, I don't know if they slept there, or they went home, or they lived around the area, they stayed at friends' houses. Um, but they wake up the next morning, they can't find the disciples, can't find Jesus, and they're like, we got to find this guy. So they're either looking for more signs, they're still trying to get him be- to become king, okay? And here is what they say to him. They come, they ask him some questions. When did you come here? And does Jesus answer their question? Let's see what Jesus says. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So let's think for a second. If Jesus were to answer the question, when did you come here? How did you come here? What's the answer? What? A miracle. I walked on water. Right? Guys, they were out there. They were rowing. They couldn't make it. There was this big storm. Perhaps you saw it last night. I was out there walking on water, and then the storm stopped, and then miraculously we were on the other side. That's how I got here. So Jesus does an amazing miracle. No mention of it. He ignores their question entirely. And I think this is continuing to point us in the direction of miracles are never the point. They're never just the point, like here's another miracle. In fact, one of the guys I read, he said, mere miracles can be corrosive of genuine faith. Miracles alone can corrode real faith, can tear it apart, can destroy it. That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to us maybe, but if all we're trusting in is signs and miracles, it's never going to last is basically what we're being told. So Jesus doesn't draw attention to the fact that he does another miracle. Instead, Jesus says, let me tell you why you're here. Let me talk to you about why you're looking for me. And here's what he says. He says, you're here because you saw a miracle. You're here because you saw a miracle, not because you saw what the miracle was pointing you to. You have no idea what the purpose of the miracle was. You're just here because you saw a miracle, because you ate your fill of the loaves, is what he says. Okay? So then he's going to say something to us. He's going to say, do not labor for the food that perishes, 
but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. So what he's saying is, do you know what happened to, do you guys remember what happened to manna? In the, if they, if they gathered a bunch of manna and they saved it overnight, do you know what happened to it? Yeah, it rotted, okay? It perished. So even the bread that came from heaven during Moses' time, you would collect as much as you were supposed to eat, and if you collected more than you could eat, by the next morning, it was all rotten, which was something that God was trying to teach them to trust him each day to have more bread, okay? But here he's drawing attention to food that perishes, but he says... I am going to be able to give you food that lasts to eternal life, that gives you eternal life, okay? Um, And then he says this. Well, so this is Jesus' charge. He says, do not work for food that perishes. Instead, work for food that lasts to eternal life. See here, get my thoughts in order. How many of you guys have ever run for student body government? Anybody? (laughs) Yeah. Grace is like president, <laughs> vice president too, and secretary. I do all of it. Angel has. You were a treasurer. All right. All right. So do, do you guys do, have you guys heard your student body government give speeches? Do they give speeches? No? Sometimes. Do they make campaign promises? Yes. Are any of them a little ridiculous and unfulfilled? Yes. This is, this is what I remember being in middle school and high school. I remember promises like, pizza every Friday. We're going to have pizza every Friday. And free pop machines. You're not going to have to pay for any of the soda. You just go and you push and get whatever soda you want, right? Well, this is kind of what they're seeking in Jesus. They're seeking a politician who's going to say, you're never going to have to make bread again. I'm always going to give you bread. It's kind of like the woman at the well. Do you remember when Jesus talks to the woman at the well about living water? She's like, give me the living water so that I don't have to come and get water from the well anymore. Right? She wants a drinking fountain. She wants a permanent drinking fountain in her home, which we now have. But that's not the point. The point isn't that Jesus can give us some magical thing so we don't have to work in order to eat or drink anymore. Okay? So, um... Don't work for food that perishes. Instead, work for food that endures to eternal life. So what is he talking about? Well, just like the living water, Jesus is going to talk to them about bread. And he's going to say, this is bread that once you eat it, it gives you eternal life. Well, here's what the people ask next. They say, what must we do to be doing the works of God? So the people make the classic mistake of focusing on what they have to do. That's what we tend to do. We tend to think, Lord, just tell me what I have to do, which rules I have to follow, which ones are kind of like more in the gray area in order to get what I want. It's kind of what they're saying here. What do I have to do to get this bread that lasts forever? And Jesus' answer um, is this. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So here's what you have to do. Believe in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. And when you do, you get this bread that will last you forever. And so they say, well, what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Kind of funny that they need another sign, considering he just fed 5,000 of them with five loaves of bread. So they're thinking, we need more. And this is getting us to the key problem 
with them and the key problem with us. And the key problem with them and the key problem with us is this. We are so often fixated on our physical needs that we have no idea how desperate our spiritual need is. We're so fixated on our spiritual or our physical needs that we have no idea what our spiritual need is. We think that what we truly need are things that we can feel, things that we can touch, things that we can see, and we have no idea that what our real need is is in here. Okay? And so Jesus' answer to their desire for another sign is this. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So the big idea that Jesus communicates is this. At first he's saying, I can give you bread that lasts forever. And then Jesus says, finally, I am the bread that lasts forever. So if you want living water, like in chapter 4, if you want bread that lasts forever, that gives you eternal life, the answer is that you go to Jesus. And when you go to Jesus and you consume him once, you believe in him, you put your faith in him, you take him inside of you, you never become empty again. The people who ate manna in the wilderness, every morning they woke up, they were still hungry. The people who had miracles done to them, raised from the dead, healed, all of them still died. All of them still got sick. All of them still succumbed to their bodies breaking down. Jesus is the true bread, the true life that we need. So to close out, here's a question. If you could ask Jesus for anything and know that he would give it, what would you ask for? If you could ask Jesus for anything and know that he would give it to you, what would you ask for? Well, when we ask for physical things, let's say our answer is money. I just just need a little bit more money. If we ask Jesus for food, if we ask Jesus for a good job, if we ask Jesus for a mansion, if we ask Jesus for a Ferrari, if we ask Jesus for a boyfriend or a girlfriend, if we, if we ask Jesus that he might just, just raise someone that we love from the dead, that we didn't get enough time with in our lifetime, that we could have life with them again, as good as some of those things might be in their own right, what we're showing is that we have no idea how deep our spiritual need is. When we fixate on the physical needs that we have and say, if I could have one thing, I'd do it to ask for this, and it doesn't have to do with our heart, it just goes to show that we have no idea how much wickedness and problem there is in our heart and our separation from God. Nothing that we could ask for will truly last unless we are asking for Jesus. That's the one thing that we need to be asking for. So let's pray that Jesus would do that in our hearts and that we would have our eyes open to that ultimate need in our life and that we would seek him for it. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage. And Lord, we, I am so often fixated on what it is that I need in my physical life. Just a little bit more money, a little bit more time, a little bit more sleep. And Lord, I thank you that you came not to give me those things alone, but to give me yourself so that we would have uh, hearts that are raised from deadness to life, 
from inability to do anything good or right to an ability to obey and follow you. And Lord, I pray for each of our hearts this morning that whatever it is that we may think is our deepest need, that you would draw our attention to our real deepest need, our deepest need for you, and lead us into trusting you and putting our faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen.